Hey, Mystery Solvers, we have some great mysteries to talk about today. But first, we want to introduce you to another awesome podcast. Hey there, this is Erica Kelly, host of the podcast Southern Fried True Crime. Each week, I take a look at a different Southern crime. Unlike any good gossip, I'm interested in anyone or anything. I cover contemporary and historical cases, and I love listener suggestions. Come join me as I explore the dark underbelly of the Deep South. I'm a one-woman show in a narrative format, kind of like sitting by the fire and listening to a story. So pull up a chair and subscribe if you're interested. I'd love to have you. Until then, y'all take care. Hello. Hello, five listeners. How's it going? Good. This is the exact same thing I said last time. Oh. I was, it was dumb last time. It was dumb this time, too. <laughs> well, look, if you were looking for an unofficial rewatch podcast of Unsolved Mysteries, the original Robert Stack episodes... Can't come to the right place. If last week Samantha joked about an ER rewatch podcast and then you were sad to find out that that's not real, you know what? Start it. Yeah. I'm sure people would listen to that. Look, podcasting is not hard. Podcasting is not hard. Also, there's like a thousand seasons of ER. I think you should do it. So I should do it or you should do it? Just whoever wants to do it. Someone should hop on that. I would listen. So there you go. You have one listener. There you go. That's all all you really need to start (laughs) with. It's more than we had when we started. And look where we are now. (laughs) Now we are the queens of the podcast world or something. Or something. We're here with... Mutt, Lenny Briscoe, not the fictional detective, but the dog. You may hear him clicking around. Yeah. Usually he lays down, but he's very active today. Yeah, I don't know what his deal is. You know, it's just, this is real life. We're podcasting in a real house with a real dog. With a real dog, and if you don't like the dog, then I don't know. It's not the podcast for you, I guess. <laughs> I guess not. Do you have any updates? You know, there are, there are some updates that have occurred based on things we've talked about recently. Oh, okay. I read an article okay skimmed an article (laughs) claiming the reason that we have not found a bigfoot corpse bigfoot is a ghost i saw that on facebook i didn't read it It can you give us the gist i think i just did (laughs) (laughs) all right okay i mean it would make sense i guess it is uh not a joke it is a seriously (laughs) someone actually framed article saying if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. There's been all these Bigfoot sightings, yet we've never found physical evidence. And that's because Bigfoot is a ghost. And You're I, right. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the author like goes on some sort of Bigfoot quest and comes to this conclusion. I really just couldn't get past the graphic, which is a Bigfoot that's like <laughs> glowing green with these huge peck muscles and has like a ghostly aura around him and that's what it really looks like i guess well i like this theory (laughs) but it i i mean samantha brought up that excellent point that if there is bigfoots living in north america we probably would have found a corpse by now but i think this theory really shoots a hole in that samantha i think it really does bigfoot is a, there you go i have to Ar- argue with that bigfoot is a ghost <laughs> prove to us that bigfoot's not a ghost how about that right you can't can you no so no, there you so. go i have some ideas for bigfoot band names oh yeah okay speaking of bigfoot tell me bands lay it on me 
So these all come from Instagram. Angela suggested Harry and the Hendersons. That's, that's very good, but I think will be a little bit confusing with the people might think you're referring to the TV show and not the awesome band. Another Angela, not the same Angela on Instagram, said a very funny thing. My ex-husband had a Bigfoot themed band. I forget the name of the band, but they had songs about basically all forms of Bigfoot from the Yeti to the Mountain Devil. It was quite cool and ahead of its time. I love theme bands. I mean, I'm kind of shocked that's her ex-husband because he sounds like a keeper. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, granted, that's all we know about I'm him. I'm sorry but... it didn't work out. And you probably had your reasons, but that <laughs> does sound like a pretty cool band. I wonder what the name of that band was. We should, we should, uh, how many Bigfoot theme bands are out there? It can't be that many. We should I should have Googled it. Hmm. Oh, well, I didn't. <laughs> Christy says that there is a guy in her town that is suing the government for not funding Sasquatch research. How is that suable? I see no problems with it. <laughs> oh, Mac had a suggestion for a Bigfoot band name. Oh, let's hear it. Sax Squatch. <laughs> and they play saxophone? Yes, it has to be a saxophone heavy band. I love but it. But I think it would go very well with Jazz Loon and they could tour. Okay. Another one. I like that you say that. Okay, like a like a loon is gonna go on tour. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. If Bigfoots could go on tour, loons could go on tour. Listen, there could be and wolves. This is an entire thing. Bigfoot is a ghost, then anything is possible. Sarah suggested gone squatching. Okay, yeah, which I think is pretty funny, and also think of that like beef jerky commercial. Yeah, me too. I know I've seen a t-shirt that had a Sasquatch on it with like a sh- doing like a shrug and it, the tagline on the shirt said what Squatch you gonna do <laughs> that hurts my I don't like that at all no but I mean that's what that suggestion reminded me of. Sure. I think that's all the, the suggestions we got on if you have any Instagram. more suggestions for what you would name a band of Bigfoots let us know. It's very important that we know. Yes. So, so important. Very, very important. Do you think Bigfoot is a ghost? Does that ring true to you? Could it? Could they still have a band if they were ghosts? Yeah. Would you go see a ghost band? I would. That'd be awesome. I know someone had an art project for a while that was like a band of robots. Like you program these robots to play different instruments. That would seem kind of cool. But ghost band, that's where it's at. I think so. That's that's the future. <laughs> the future of music. The other update, a couple people send us this, is that during our Alcatraz episode, we were like, so these guys escaped and we never heard from them. Nobody on their deathbed tried to claim they we were We should have known that people have done that in retrospect. But, but that happened, it ha- this came out immediately after our episode. This is news. This is news. Oh, is it? See, okay, so people have been posting this to us like nonstop since we our episode aired. And have I read any of them? No. I was like, well, Liz is going to do it, so I won't. <laughs> That's very. I didn't know that was such recent news. You. Yeah, no, this has just come out. So apparently, the FBI has had a letter from one of the convicts that they got in 2013, but people are only knowing of it literally like after episode aired. So I have to think the FBI has put forth this information because, because of, of our, our episode. Yeah, because of our podcast. I mean, that's the only logical conclusion. Um, the letter is supposedly from John Algen who was also the person that supposedly called that lawyer, so... 
Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. And it said, I escaped from Alcatraz in June 1962 with my brother Clarence and Frank Morris. I'm 83 years old and in bad shape. I have cancer. Yes, we made it that night, but barely, said the letter. In the reason he wrote the FBI is to offer a deal that reveals a lot about our country. He has cancer. He is offering to be locked up again in a, for a year in exchange for medical care. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm. This makes total sense. Because he has cancer and would be better off in prison than... Re- receiving care. Receiving care than out of prison. Not, not being able to pay for cancer treatments. Yeah. That's too bad. How likely do you think this is? Or do you think this might just be a desperate person? It's so it's either way it's weird. Could they DNA te- so this happened in 2013? Could they have DNA tested him? Do they have John L- England's DNA? Okay, so the thing is, what the letter said was, if they had to go on TV and agree to his deal in order for him to come forward. So the FBI doesn't actually know where he is because they never oh they never agreed to his deal. So I don't know if they have a way of verifying that this really is. John Algen. Um, some people pointed out that also a few years ago, the History Channel had a photograph of, I believe, the other two people in Brazil, supposedly. Travis told me about this. He thought so, that was uncanny. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe. I mean, you probably wouldn't stay in the United States. I mean, they couldn't have, really. They would have had to have left. The FBI examined the letter for Prince, and the results were inconclusive. So that means yes, and it means no. So it leaves everything in limp. Again, we know nothing. It's like it's quite interesting, though. Yeah, and it's mostly interesting because this clearly happened because of us. So yeah. this is how influential our podcast is. For us. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so yeah, it was a it was a 2015 History Channel documentary showed a picture of John and Clarence in Brazil 13 years after their escape. If the men are alive today, Morris would be 90, John Algen would be 86, and Clarence. Elgin would be 87. Okay. So it's possible that it's possible. a few of them could still be alive. It's a, a really sad state of affairs that people would offer to be put in prison for a year in order to get cancer treatment. But well, I suppose if you... the world we're living if in. If you've seen Breaking Bad, you, you realize the things that could potentially happen just because people can't get medical treatment. Yay! Okay. So, um, that's, I think, was that your last update? That was my last update. I wanted to say thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Today, this is, we're recording this episode on Saturday, where we released our first Patreon-only episode. It's a bonus episode, and we watched, you've already heard, but we watched Occult Crimes on Netflix. And let us know, if you are a patron supporter, what you thought. If you have some specific suggestions, we will consider watching things that you want us to watch things that are unsolved mysteries adjacent not other episodes of unsolved mysteries yeah don't worry if uh you don't want to give us any money we do honestly understand and for sure (laughs) and um we'll always have the unsolved mysteries episodes those will never be behind a paywall so you can always enjoy those it's if you want a little something extra yeah this is strictly bonus content and contributions of any level will get you one bonus episode a month Next month, we're going to do the alien autopsy video, if you remember that from the 90s. Yes, we found it on Netflix, so we're going to watch it. About that. It's really going to bring me back. I watched it. documentary, right? It's a full-length documentary? I think it's like an hour special. Oh, okay. Where they 
had this alien autopsy video and then they stretch it out to be (laughs) the length of time they could stick some commercials in it i remember watching it on fox back in the day i know i've seen it before promoted the hell out of it yeah oh my god they could not have been happier so if that's something you're interested we're at uh, patreon.com slash perhaps it's you and like i said donations of any amount will get you bonus content every month and other things hopefully soon yeah so keep an eye out on that um is that all we got? Should we jump right into this I terrible fucking episode? <laughs> we are on, if you're following along at home on Ugh. Amazon Prime, we are on episode 19. I know there are some of you who watch the episode and then listen to our podcast, and I admire your dedication. If you haven't already watched this episode, maybe don't. <laughs> don't Samantha know. is so down on this episode. I feel like it's not great, but it's like... Eh. You also don't have near-death experiences yeah, which is true. almost all this episode and is terrible the fact that they do two near-death experiences in Ugh. this episode is that's too much they should have only done one not only is it too much but the second guy they they profile is the oh tom sawyer the worst i hate him he's i say he, this right now I he's an him. odd duck He's something else. But that's not what we're talking about first. <laughs> well, okay, okay. Although, you're going to I'm actually first, a lot about because it. I have wanted. Yes. And it is the case of the burrowing burglars. <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> it makes me think of little prairie dogs. I mean, they kind of are like... Human Prime-focused prairie, prairie dogs. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. This is from June 1986, and is a team of ingenious thieves that tunneled into a bank so this is the sort of thing that usually isn't a movie this is crazy if you had just told me this and i didn't know it was real life i would have thought it was a movie yeah this is like because no one has the time to do this shit (laughs) right like usually a bank robbie is dude walks into a bank with gun right because who has the time to slowly tunnel into a bank right and the even criminals are busy they have things to do yeah and it's not like even when you get to the underneath the bank, you can just pop right in. Turns out they reinforce the floor of a bank vault. They're on to you. Uh, they're on to you, little prairie dogs. <laughs> so the segment opens with, I think, an alarm is tripped. The security guard goes to check it out, and everything appears totally fine. So he leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you think that anyone would be in the vault? Sometimes alarms go off. Yeah. That on Monday morning, all the employees arrive as usual. You know, they're like setting up for the day, whatever. The manager goes to open the vault and is like, uh oh. Not only is there a giant hole in the floor of the vault, but $2 million worth of cash, jewelry, and rare coins are missing. I don't, the idea of like having a fortune in rare coins is. <laughs> It's so, like, Scrooge McDuck. It's just hilarious to me. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what I keep my money in, too. Where? Why? Anyway. Sorry. No, I I don't mean to dismirch you if you... Keep your fortune in jewels and rare coins. If you're a pirate, please still listen to the podcast. (laughs) There's no pirates listening to those podcasts. They know how much we hate treasure. Oh, that's a really good point. Um, They're sitting in their tiny house not listening to this podcast. (laughs) So the, the robbery was the biggest in Hollywood history. Great. Okay. So, in case you were wondering, the the detectives in this case are so like impressed, impressed. with this robbery. They have like a a childhood awe. This guy could not keep a smile off his face. Where literally he says at one point it was awesome. He was like, in my whole career of burglary, I've never seen anything like this. So what? 
Los Angeles has a system of storm drains. And maybe you've seen this in a movie or, I mean, if you live in Los Angeles, obviously, you know. But in movies, there's often, like, a chase that goes into a storm drain or someone's hiding out in them. So they're, like, those, there's almost, like, a low bridge. like And it is something you can, like, walk under. Mm -hmm. So they had gone into the storm drains and then tunneled from there to the bank. And it was almost all done by hand. And only the end part through the reinforced floor, I think, was done with... Torch or something? Yeah, with electrical tools. Yeah. Because they didn't want to create the noise to, like, draw suspicion to them. Mm -hmm. So they said it would have taken three to six weeks. They were also super impressed. I mean, they showed pictures of these tunnels. They were huge. Yeah. And they were done in a way that made them structurally safe. Yeah, these were not, like... Maybe you once tried to, like dig a great snow fort and your parents came out and were like oh my god that's gonna collapse on you and you're gonna die (laughs) right this was like very structurally sound you could stand up in them actually yeah and like very carefully made Mm -hmm. they had engineers come in and the engineers said that this is like the appropriate shape for a tunnel that won't collapse so this caused them to theorize that there was at least two people working together but they probably they thought we were maybe army buddies because they were someone, there were two people that were used to working together in like close, tight conditions for weeks. Kind of makes sense. Yeah, because otherwise the person's going to drive you crazy. Yeah. Because you're sitting in a tiny little claustrophobic tunnel just like chipping away. Do you think we could do that? So that's what I was thinking. Probably not. No, probably not. Sorry. You would probably also have to be done. <laughs> well, this is the other thing. I'm sure they had to do it at night. Yeah. I we would stay up that late. We would be asleep. Yeah. And grouchy. We would just look at each other and be like, you want to go get chicken McNuggets or something instead? Yeah. And then you'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, go. but think of all the McNuggets we can get with those rare coins. I'd be like, yeah, And then we'd be like, how are we going to sell those? We're going to get caught. This we would stupid. We would very easily talk each other out of it. <laughs> okay. So there's really no leads. They leave no fingerprints. They These found are like, some ATVs or something, didn't they? I think that was for the... Quad runners, they the, called them? The second one. Oh, was it? So 14 months later, they struck again. And when oh, that's right. the cops got a call saying, oh, there's a flo- hole in the floor of the bank. They were, the guy was like, they've, they're back. They've done it again. And he's like so like kid on Christmas yeah. elated. So that robbery was actually interrupted. So they only got $90,000 from that. Only. Only. And they had left a tool behind and some of their clothing and equipment because they had to, like, make a break for it. Um, They tracked down, and the tool was, like, this really big circular thing that's used in construction through for, like, cutting through concrete. So they were able to track that down, but then it just turned out, like, oh, a white guy bought this with cash, like... It wasn't that helpful. So they also found a four-wheeler that had been hidden in one of the storm drains. And it seemed like that was one of their getaway vehicles. And because they were interrupted, they took another one and they had to leave one behind. They were able to trace that down, but then that wasn't really that helpful. No. Um, They also found a tunnel to a different bank that was, like, almost complete, but was just, like, not through the floor. Yeah. So if they had been able to rob both of those banks in that weekend, they would have had millions of dollars, but they didn't. They didn't. It got interrupted. Were these guys ever caught? They were not. So there's um, two composite sketches that they have 
they're not the worst sketches that we've seen. <laughs> Certainly not. Look, the bar is not high. But though. they have never. They were never identified, and at this point, the statute t- limitations has run out. So, so they just really got away with all that money. They really That's got away crazy. with all that money because they were just basically because they were that damn good. Like, if you're really going to put in that much effort, yeah, these are the people that get away with robbing banks. Yeah. I meant to look up information maybe 10 years ago, probably even more than that. There was this group in the UK called the Geezer Gang. There were these old men that were committing these sort of like almost James Bond-esque ridiculous crimes. And I was wondering whatever happened to them because I feel like it is a thing. And I think they were eventually caught. But if you if you actually like put in that kind of spectacular (laughs) effort... Like, you deserve all that money, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's really a victimless crime. (laughs) Banks are insured. So, um, yeah, I'm looking to see if there's anything else in my notes, but... There really wasn't. It was a very short segment. It's a very short segment. It's kind of cool that they got away with it. And then you get to see a completely elated burglary detective. Like He was so happy. I don't even think he wanted like, to catch them. No. Well, I think he almost wanted that because he wanted to have like a nemesis. Like this was going to be his Moriarty or Joker <laughs> or something. Where it's like him against the burrowing burglars. And he was going to like outsmart them. But it seems like after the second attempt where they were almost caught, they stopped. Yeah. I don't know that there was any other similar cases. Well, he had a ton of money. They were probably like, this is good enough. Like, eh, we're done. So, yeah. That's the Burrowing Burglars. It's the best segment in this episode, I would say. By far. Because next we're going to talk about near-death experiences. Samantha's so better, you guys. I I was sending messages to Liz while I was watching this about how horrible this episode <laughs> is. And I horrified her by sending her this book that I read in the 90s that was a bestseller. I can't even remember what it was called right now, but it's like Into the Light or something. Yeah, it was about near-death experiences. This reminded... Like, there was a book that came out just a few years ago about a little kid that supposedly yeah, had a near-death experience. but that turned out to be f- super fake. Yeah, it was. But his parents, like, made a bunch of money taking him on Oprah and all that shit. Yeah. Which is like, don't exploit your kids like that. But well, he, like, eventually admitted that he just, like, didn't want to disappoint people. Yeah. Because they kept, like... Yeah, they. I mean, that's what kids do. <laughs> you know, his so parents sad. are taking him on Oprah. I mean, yeah. of course he's going to keep saying it. So the story it. just, like, kept getting more and more elaborate. I know. Yeah, this... I think it is called, like, Ends of the Light or something. I don't know. Everybody fucking read this book back in the 90s. And it's ridiculously long because... You know, you if you, like, almost die and you saw a light, how long does it take to tell that story? Right. 15 oh, minutes? Oh, I found it. It's embraced by the light. Embraced by the light, yes. The most profound and complete near-death experience <laughs> ever. She sees, like, 12 crystal casts. There's just, like, different angels. And... 100% real. Definitely happens. Yes. Yeah, it's a very complicated near-death story that she has anyway oh put that on your goodreads list you guys samantha thinks less of me because i read this when i was like 12 no i don't you were young and you you didn't know any better okay so this segment opens with a school photo that's the only reason well we all told me you read it last week i would have been like uh like some kids have paint and you read that i mean we all move on we all read weird shit as a kid. Yeah. I'm sure I have for s- sure. some books in my closet that are strange. So we Ooh. see... Oh. I want to know. You know what I actually read? I actually read like every 
series about horses that you could pass. Oh, like I was sure. like a girl and her horse stories. Yeah, there was like the pony, the pony pals or something. And then like there was like the saddle club books that were eventually made into a TV show. There was this one about racehorses that literally had a thousand books. So, and I'm sure I read every single one of them. <laughs> I was that nerdy kid. Was there any ones about someone with the horse solving mysteries? I'm sure there was. Yeah. If it had a horse in it, that was the book I was reading. So okay. I was That's fair. A super cool kid. Um, so we see an adorable little girl wearing a white dress with puffy sleeves. Robert Stack says that on March 13th, 1982, a seven-year-old girl named Crystal Merslock was at a birthday party at a local pool. She had just recently learned how to swim. I, I wrote down that older Christy looks great. She has a huge perm, a white turtleneck with a colorful scarf and gigantic earrings. Yep. One of the upsides of this episode is that all the ladies have great 80s fashion. It was good. I I enjoyed that, but that's about the only thing I enjoyed. So she yeah. went to the deep end. She was just kind of like not in the water. She was walking along the side of the pool when a group of boys pushed her in. She wasn't good en- a good enough swimmer to be in the deep end, and she immediately started to struggle before falling underneath the water and becoming unconscious. The I said that the scene in the ER, the reenactment, was really well done. Yeah. So, like, that was a good part about the episode, too. I thought that it was kind of like a, well, I don't know, would you call a ER, like, a procedural, like a medical procedural? Yeah, kind of like a medical doctor show. It, it looked almost like that. Um, the doctor says that when she came in, her pupils were fixed and dilated, meaning that she probably had no brain activity. She also had a coma score of three, which the doctor tells us very few people recover from. He said that he did not think she was going to make it. Her father also tells us that he was told by doctors to prepare for her death. Um, and then I wrote on just Robert Stack is in a very strange hallway. He's yeah. in some weird places this episode. What, yeah. What is that hallway? Is that supposed to symbolize death? Multiple times, Robert Stack starts talking about the ton- like a tunnel with a light at the end of it. So yeah. maybe that was like a, a deep... I don't know. I sort of metaphor. got that impression. He's standing in so many like hallways and... Other, I don't... He was also, like, right before your first mystery, in, like, a huge ballroom, almost? Yeah. It was very weird. I'm not entirely sure where they put him for this episode. But he tells us that 20 minutes after being pronounced clinically dead, Crystal was brought back to life. Robert Stack goes on to explain that near-death experiences, or NDEs... Oh, yeah, I wrote down, no one call him that. <laughs> That's not a thing. I had an NDE. No. Oh my god. No, 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 no. That's not a, that's, no. He tells us that people describe a journey into a beautiful land of light. He asks, is this experience a hallucination or evidence of life after death? Anyway, this is... (laughs) (laughs) Samantha's so salty and put out. I would rather have a treasure... really i really dislike this so this is what crystal described this is just i don't know boring and i don't believe any of it she descended into darkness but then her eyes opened and she saw a bright light at the end of a tunnel made of colorful bricks she says that the light pulled her towards it and then i wrote down that the reenactment is both terribly done and kind of creepy i yeah i was wondering where they filmed that i don't know but it was a young girl who was soaking wet and she was for some reason crawling on her hands and knees yeah and there's a lot of slow-mo just close-up shots of her like scared looking face she's like dripping water fuzzy if people remember that soap opera effect of sort of having oh, like yeah. ga- a vaseline on the lens yeah. so everything's sort of a hazy pastel oh, yeah. there's like 
low, slow music playing. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it very much. But she saw a lady who takes her hand and says, I'm Elizabeth and I'm here to help you. Oh, yeah, that was me. You were leading her into the light? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I said... You have a side gig as a guardian angel? No, I said, come this way to death. (laughs) Because isn't that what's happening? Elizabeth... No, she's leading her to heaven. Life after death. Death. But life. If she after went death. back to her body, which she does, she would live. Technically, it's death, but it's life after death. <laughs> so this this woman is like, come Liz, with you're me. You're not understanding. It's heaven. She's you'll, alive after she dies. You'll die. <laughs> no, it's it's ridiculous. She's the Grim Reaper. <laughs> She's her guardian angel. Same it's all difference. how you spin it. Listen, it's <laughs> all how you spin. It. You want to sell books? You call it a guardian angel. <laughs> not if you want to sell books to me. <laughs> These people are trying to sell books to you, I'm afraid. Twelve oh, year old you. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know where I got that or why. <laughs> it was just everywhere. Uh Crystal says that the lady led her through the light and into heaven. But then Robert's deck yeah, tells us that Death. <laughs> life after death. Well, she's not in her body anymore. Okay. So, anyway, Robert's deck tells us that Crystal sensed she was floating above her body. This was weird because in she tells us that at one point she's being led into heaven, but then the very next second she's above her body watching the doctors try and resuscitate her. Like, you, is it was it both? Were you walking into heaven and watching the yeah, hospital? That's what happens in these near death things all the time. Two things at the same time? Yeah, because all the all of the universe is open and everything is possible, and time ceases to exist, and and space is just an idea, and. <laughs> Everything expands. Sure, sure. It could be. This is made up, so we can say whatever we want about it. <laughs> <laughs> she says that she didn't like how the doctors were sticking her with needles and putting things in her nose. So that well, who would? Uh, yeah, who would? So that made her want to stay up there. But then she started thinking about how she would never be able to hug her mom again. So then she decided that she no longer wanted to be floating above her body and suddenly she was back inside her body. So she went, screw you Elizabeth, I'm not going to death. We didn't hear from Elizabeth again, so I'm not really she sure. Goes, the I'm timeline gonna, is confusing. She's like, I'm gonna go back to my body because otherwise those all those stickers I collected will just go to waste. Yeah, probably. Who's gonna eat my candy stash if I, I die? I didn't write my handwritten will yet. Yeah, she didn't have her handwritten will. She needs to say goodbye to her best friend. Exactly. And, you know, what about her scratch and sniff stickers? Yeah, what about them? So, remarkably, (laughs) you guys, this is not going to be our best episode. I'm really sorry. I've been sick all week, and I just feel like my brain is not Not functioning. Proof proof of this is that I accidentally watched the wrong episode (laughs) to prepare for this. I watched episode 19 in season 5. Liz, I had already watched this episode, and Liz sent me a message. She's like, are you talking about the pot dealer or am I? And I was like, the the girl who died? What are you talking about, Liz? What pot dealer? In my feverish (laughs) state, I was like, but Samantha, no. It's a marijuana farm. I was like, there's no marijuana (laughs) farm in this episode. So I watched the wrong one, and then I forgot who was going first, and I've just made a big mess of everything, and I think I keep Spacing out and just saying like a lot. Listen, at least you didn't have near NDEs. I mean, I almost didn't survive my own birth, so I wonder if I had one. You just don't remember as a it? newborn infant. Maybe that's why you like the name Liz, because an, a, your guardian <laughs> angel named Elizabeth was trying to. Elizabeth came and was like, "Here's the scoop. Life is not that great. How you don't about I go down? There. How about you don't even try it? 
How about you go from being born Listen, to I can see the future. I know Trump's going to be president yeah. someday. You don't want to be in a world like that. I can give you an easy out right now. <laughs> and I was well, like... Well, I'm glad you were born because I, I wouldn't like, have this podcast Then otherwise. I thought of all the Chinese food I would never get to eat. Yeah, and the podcast you wouldn't get to host. <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, no, I better go in my stupid body. <laughs> Thanks, Elizabeth. Remarkably, even though Crystal was in a coma when the doctor was working on her, she recognized his face when she saw him after she recovered. She described things about her resuscitation that, to me, don't seem that unique. She described doctors putting or pushing on her chest, and she said that they worked on her in the ER, but then moved her to another room. They were super impressed that she knew this. Yeah. Couldn't she have just watched any soap opera or any TV show to see someone pushing on someone's chest to try and wake them up? I mean, I my reaction was, I realized they're saying, oh, she was unconscious, and there's no way she could have known, but could she be slipping in and out of consciousness? Possibly. Was she literally so out of it the entire time, there's no way she could have known. I actually, I find that to be the part that I was like, hmm, I don't know that I completely take your word for that. I don't know. The doctor, doctor did say that she, he didn't think she had any brain activity, but. See, that's the part I'm skeptical of, actually. I mean, she recovered, so it doesn't seem possible that she could have had, I mean, we're not doctors, I guess, I don't know, but Dr. Glenn Gabbard, who has studied these NDEs and has a lot what did I tell you about saying that phrase is not real? I got sick of typing near-death experience, so I just kept right typing NDE. Oh my god. He has a lopsided mustache, though. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that, whatever that means. I mean, we haven't nominated a lopsided one <laughs> That's true. I don't think he was my pick, though. I don't think I had one. Whatever. So maybe he can just be it by default. Anyway, he says that it comes from a fundamental desire to deny the reality of death. Which makes sense to me. Another guy, Dr. Ray Moody, who is a professor of something, I don't remember what, says that (laughs) because patients are often able to tell us things about their resuscitation um, that they they shouldn't have known. Did not see on TV. Yeah. Then that tells us that what's going on is beyond fantasy or biochemical reactions. See, I've always assumed that it is a biochemical reaction. But I've always assumed that's just what, kind of what your brain looks like when it's shutting down. You see a light. Yeah. yeah you, that that's like your your body is interpreting those sensations as a bright light, but really it's... Yeah, or maybe you have some hallucinations because, yeah, your brain is shutting your down. Your brain is shutting down. Or maybe it's going into heaven. I don't know. Uh, Crystal... Doesn't heaven seems so boring? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on what it is. If it's like a light and angels and harp music, it's going to get old so fast. Yeah, I don't know. Samantha couldn't even watch this segment about it. <laughs> Can you imagine if that's your eternity, Samantha? <sighs> Hopefully I have a long life. <laughs> so that's <laughs> the last mystery. Of, that's really the last of Crystal's story. We see her dancing, and I wrote down that her dance hair is amazing. I wrote down she came back from the dead to wear that vest. <laughs> Oh, honey. That's really mean of me. It was the 80s. I'm sure she regrets that. Oh, I wore many a vest that I regret. I had a part of my closet that was vests. And I regret every single one of them. Had or have? Sadly had. (laughs) Those wouldn't fit me anymore anyway. That's okay. Little 10-year-old me vests. No, they're gone. US. So now we have Tom Sawyer. Yes, that's his real name. Is it though? Is anything about him real? Is he a real person? <laughs> I don't. I hope not because I really <laughs> disliked him. So Tom Sawyer. 
don't get it. This is not, listen. I'm going to try not to be mean about this, this guy. I did not, I just am so confused. I was not into this, but I did not have this reaction you do where it's like, well, you didn't have to pay as poison. I just, this is a guy I just know that I would really dislike if I saw him in in real life. He would be in front of you in the grocery store asking a bunch of needless questions, and you'd be like, oh my god, can I just check out? He would turn around as we're in line at the grocery store and want to, like, talk to me. Yeah. And I would be like, what if you were on... you see my resting bitch face? I'm doing it on purpose. (laughs) Please leave me alone. What if you were on a plane, and you were in the window seat, and Tom Sawyer was in the aisle seat, (sighs) and he just wanted to talk to you the whole time? No, he would be in the middle seat. That that is <laughs> my luck. Taking both armrests. Taking both armrests. Yeah. Wanting to talk to me, thinking he's super charming, talking to me about how he doesn't read books. Yeah, that was odd. He's odd, but we'll, let's just get this over with. So, <laughs> so Tom Sawyer tells us that with a name like mine, you have two choices. Become a comedian and outgoing or end up being an introvert. Like that's a fate worse than death. Yeah, I mean, I get, I just which, wrote down I hate him already. Which did he choose, though? I don't, he chose to be a comedian and outgoing. But doesn't he have to be funny? Or he thinks he's hilarious. Oh my god! Robert Stack says that Tom turned to athletics in high school, and that propelled him to popularity. But his academics were lackluster, and he proudly tells us that he never read a book cover to cover. Uh, <laughs> he was really proud of it. He too. was extremely proud. I thought he was going to go on to tell us that, like, after his near death experience, he started reading books, and he he really didn't. He was, he was just, just like, "There's no way I would have known these things because I'm real dumb." That's <laughs> <laughs> basically his argument. So he qualified for the U.S. Olympic team in bike racing. He married and had two kids. And he said that previous to his near-death experience, he was agnostic, although he's either confusing an agnosticism with atheism, or he just doesn't want to admit that he was an atheist. Because he was very sure that there was no God, and that that was hocus-pocus tomfoolery or something. Yeah, he said, I used to think that when you died, you died, and that was just it. There was nothing after that, which is not agnostic. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he probably just didn't want to make his mom cry by saying he was an atheist. Right. So what happened was that Tom was underneath his pickup truck working on it. He had the front two tires off, and suddenly it fell off the jacks and pinned him to the ground. His son, Todd Sawyer... They have him do that reenactment? I feel like if you almost died being pinned under a truck... It would be very scary. Doing a reenactment of that seems so anxiety provoking yeah that's just a panic attack waiting to happen i really do think that tom was happy this happened to him though (laughs) so i don't know that he was that traumatized by it he certainly doesn't seem that traumatized by it no and but i mean he wasn't like that before i don't know so his son todd sawyer ran inside to call 911 tom says that he heard the conversation todd was having with 911 even though he was inside he also claims that he was able to hear the paramedics get into the ambulance three miles away he said i heard things with my ears that is with my regular hearing he tells us i just wrote down thanks for clarifying (laughs) tom (laughs) that i shouldn't have been able to hear uh, after that, he went unconscious. Tom says that he immediately woke up again, but he was in darkness. The darkness gradually took the shape of a tunnel. He says that, and way off, absolutely positively to infinity, appeared a speck of white light. 
Tom says that it was the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. The pain was gone and he felt comfortable. Okay, so he says that he reached the end of the tunnel and he was confronted by the light of God and the light of heaven. He says that light that light included absolutely everything. It was the entire universe. It was absolute total knowledge. And then he says, I had the chance to ask any question at all and the absolute correct answer would have been emanated to me. Wait, it doesn't sound like he asked anything. That's what I wrote down. I was like, but he didn't ask any questions? Because I would have been there a long time asking questions and probably would have died. Because this is not the end of it. He doesn't just wake up. He said that after that, he had he experienced a total life review. He saw every Which second of every day of his entire life. The best reenactment. It was I would pretty good. I highly recommend watching the episode for this thing that looks like it's in... It's like they're on a giant lazy Susan and like... Yeah. There's just... There's <laughs> With people. a light show going on and then these like different... There's a guy on a bike. Pantomimes his, of his life His Olympic happening. team, his marriage, his all at once in this yeah while he watches lit tunnel i would have been like screw the life review what about these questions i've got what who killed john bonnie ramsey (laughs) (laughs) i got a list here (laughs) (laughs) universe there's so much that i need to know who who killed the boys on the track is there a small foreign faction (laughs) Who killed the... Did Hillary Clinton push the boys on the tracks? I assume yes, but we would we would know <laughs> if Tom had had a chance to ask some questions. We could have gotten some of these mysteries solved. Listen. Finally. Liz, we got to pin you underneath the truck. How do you God, feel about that? I don't feel good about it at all. So anyway, he was apparently next given a choice to return to normal life or to stay in the light. He says that he chose to stay in the light, but he was suddenly slammed back into his body at the moment paramedics got him out from underneath the car. And then he says, well, I'm probably the only person you'll ever meet who has been kicked out of heaven. And he literally thinks that because he chose to stay in the light, but he woke up anyway, that he was kicked out of heaven. Which he also finds like amusing. I'm like, does that mean you can go back next time you die? Is he, is he worried about what's going to happen when he I'm, dies? I'm worried for him. Tom, listen, if you got kicked out, are they not going to let you back in? I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, he made a full recovery. He dis- probably should have asked that as one of his questions. <laughs> it was too late. He'd already been kicked out. <laughs> he had watched the life review, and now it was time to wake was up. Like, Come on. That was a pretty good life of not reading a single book. And then, <laughs> boom, back to Earth. Yes. So it doesn't... keeps getting weirder, folks. So he... <laughs> Hang on. He made a full recovery despite being without oxygen for 15 minutes. He told his wife what happened, and she said that it. He, she said it was a near-death experience. But Tom said, "I don't believe in any of that hocus pocus baloney." Uh, but once he had recuperated more, he started randomly blurting out things. <laughs> One day, while his, him and his family were watching TV, he blurted out Max Planck. His family is confused by this. They asked Tom if he knows who Max Planck As you is. Would be. And he says, no, but you'll be hearing about him more in the future. His wife at this point wasn't like, uh-huh. Um, don't mind me while I get these divorce papers ready. <laughs> his wife encouraged him to write down his thoughts. He began to jot I down... she was tired of listening to it. I think so. <laughs> like, She's like, listen, you should Oh really my god, it. shut up. I mean, I got you this journal. <laughs> and I think it'd be really helpful for you to write down your thoughts. Yeah. Instead of expressing them out loud to so, me. So he was literate despite never having read a book. <laughs> he 
was literate. He began to jot down complex equations. Equations, that Robert Stack tells us, could only be understood by a master of quantum physics. Oh my god. This just makes me think of in Goodwill Hunting when Matt Damon is like writing all that stuff on yeah. that chalkboard. Which I mean, I don't know this. I don't know anything. Apparently that's gibberish. Uh, yeah. That I, doesn't it doesn't mean anything. So that's what I'm picturing this guy is doing. He's you could just, just like write down a bunch of numbers and symbols and be like, you can't understand it because you're not a quantum physicist. Yeah. E equals and it's just like mum it's just nonsense. It doesn't mean jumbo. anything. Yeah. He also would draw Greek letters. He said that he would write these things down not knowing what they meant, but in his head knowing that they were correct. Who knows? He went to the Somehow li- this guy got more irritating. He did, as this went on. It's so amazing. He went to the library and was directed to the physics section. He got a book on the history of quantum physics from some random person. Yeah, he didn't ask a librarian what he should look at. He just, like, walked over to the physics section, and some guy was standing there, and he was like, what should I read? And the guy was like, uh, this. Yeah. And that's how he found his information. By just harassing normal people going to the library. So he saw the Greek symbol he had been writing that was near a picture of a (gasps) man named Max Planck. Oh, I gasped too soon. Who I didn't Google who that was, but apparently it was like a founder of quantum physics or something. I think that this was a Jeopardy answer the day before. This was my total... He's just heard this name on TV and then was like, what was that? Max Planck? I believe that this is 100% bullshit. So I don't know what they are trying to say with this physics story, but pretty much... Uh, that almost dying made him way smarter. I guess. Why, though? I don't understand. Because he got the answers from the universe. Oh, yeah, maybe. So that's what he was asking? Who is Max Planck? <laughs> that was his question. I want to be a master of quantum physics. Well, does Yeah, I don't know. We really don't hear any more from him. Next, we get Bruce Grayson, who is an MD at the University of Connecticut Medical Center. And I said, has a well-groomed mustache beard combo. Well, that you know how I feel about that. I know. It was nice, though. He says that people who go through near-death experiences often become spiritual and lose interest in material things. And on a, I said that a good thing that came out of Tom's near-death experience, I guess, is that his wife says he became a more loving person and began to care more about strangers. Yeah. So I mean, she seemed happy that it happened. It makes sense to me that if you almost die, that would kind of put things in perspective for you. Yeah, and maybe I think so. Things that used to stress you out don't really seem that important, and you're more interested in, yeah, your community and like leaving a good. I don't legacy. think that's because you visited heaven, but no, it's just you know you would think about life differently if you almost died. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Next, we just get a couple experts who say various things about whether or not near-death experiences romanticize death and might make someone who is contemplating suicide decide to go through with it. I really just kind of zoned out at that point. (laughs) But it seems like they were having a good discussion. Um, Tom Sawyer assures us that he would not commit suicide, and though that's against the laws of both man and God. The universe or something. Sure. I don't care what Tom Sawyer says, but whatever. <laughs> We're Samantha done has, with that segue. Samantha has a new enemy, everyone. <laughs> Tom Sawyer. Not the fictional Tom Sawyer that she used to hate. This real dude who almost died under the a truck. real one. Next, we get a far too long update on Dan Willens. Uh, and then we have your mystery. Yeah, what is with that update? It was really long. It was the whole segment about Dan Willens. I know. Replayed. Annoying. So, anyway... Annoying. One more mystery. Okay. I have an unexplained death about a guy with an interesting name. Mm-hmm. Perman Gilbert. Yes. Who Could, went by Perm. Couldn't make that up if I tried. <laughs> so the segment opens 
It is May 23rd, 1982. We're in Ohio. Uh, a kid is riding a riding mower down the street, as you do. As you do. And he finds a Dead body. naked corpse. Ugh. Traumatizing him for life. Yep. That dead body was, you guessed it, Perm Gilbert. <laughs> Perm Gilbert. Perm. He had been beaten to death. Yeah. And his body was seven miles away from his home. So this was slightly odd because Perm seemed like a normal, boring husband and father of four. Robert Stack said he lived a non-controversial life, which I'm sure huh. will be said about me someday. No, it'll be said that you lived and loved in the fast lane <laughs> and that you were pedal to the floor. <laughs> and someone will try to say that you lived a non-contra... And I'll go, Sh- shows what you know. <laughs> Not the Samantha that I knew. I love the, the idea that you'd be heckling mourners at my funeral. In my mind, I'm smoking, <laughs> which I don't smoke. But often in my mind, actually, my mind self, if I'm imagining myself, that person smokes. So I'm like smoking and someone's like, oh, Samantha, she was... So kind, so giving. She lived so, a, so non-controversial. She lived a really not. And I'll, <laughs> and then I like tap the smoke. Shows what you know. You didn't know Samantha like I did. The real Samantha. I'm just picturing you with like a black veil. You're just like puffing like, away. Like an uncomfortably low-cut dress that I've worn to your funeral. <laughs> like a, a cane with maybe the the head of a wolf on the top that I'm using to walk around. And then, yeah, I'm just, like, spitting on people and telling them they didn't know the real you. (laughs) I've got, like, a a dead fox as a stole, whatever those things are called, you know? (laughs) I can't even catch my breath. I'm laughing so hard. (laughs) Or we could put that on your grave. (laughs) Like, Samantha, this year to this year, lived in an uncontroversial life. (laughs) So, anyway, back to... (laughs) Back well, stop talking about me ruining Samantha's funeral. Ruining or improving? <laughs> little column A, little column B. Hard to say. Uh, back to perm. So, back to back to perm. One of my only notes about this segment is that if a repairman named Gilbert showed up at my front door and said, you can call me perm, <laughs> I would not let him into my house. Well, you were just not a very trusting soul. I'm not. That is a fact. <laughs> that I will also say at your funeral. Well, that's true. No one will. Well, everybody will go, oh, yeah, well, that is true. She must know. Because <laughs> we all know Samantha was not a trusting soul. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you can call me perm. You can call me perm. <laughs> just the door slowly closing. Or not. Uh, I think I'll call someone else. You know what? My dryer's not broken. I... I'm just going to get a new dryer. Bye. <laughs> Close the door and call the police. <laughs> so yes, Perm was a repairman. He worked a weekday job as a service repairman for some company, and then on the weekends would do odd jobs mm-hmm. where he answered to no one. I think is how Robert Stack phrased it. But he had a he had a, he was self-employed in a little side business, yeah. which is what he was working on the day that he died. So he was driving around Ohio doing his repair crawls. He uh, was last seen stopping by a market where he hit on the checkout counter woman, which he apparently did all the time. Yeah. But saying like, hey, can I take you to lunch? But she sort of thought it was sort of a 
charming rapport thing that they had. I don't know. Yeah, you deal with a lot of that shit as a customer, <laughs> when you're in customer service. As someone who worked at a coffee shop, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. The regulars who flirt with you. I'm sure lovely. The, yeah, every single one of them thought they were charming you off. Oh, they, they sure did. And you spat in their coffee every day. <laughs> <laughs> I would never. Oh, well, well, you're better than me. Okay, so he went to, he went, he hit on this woman. He went to the flower shop to ask if an employee was in but she wasn't and he was like oh well she knows what i want i'll be back later just like weird but i don't know not that interesting but he was never seen again he had told his wife he would be home by three but he never arrived his whereabouts after he left the flower shop are unknown he was shot to death he was beaten he was found naked by the side of the road there were no cloth fibers in the two bullet holes so he was at least naked uh, above the waist when he was shot his van was found abandoned 22 miles from the spot where his body was found which is kind of weird um unidentified fingerprints and hairs were found in the van but they were not identified um his watch was found in the vehicle but his clothes and his mason wallet and distinctive mason belt buckle were never found so they had two theories about who might have wanted to actually i guess i had three theories of who wanted to kill perm the first theory was that perm owned a small plane which he flew off of his land he had a makeshift landing strip and he had been approached by some people asking him to transport drugs Mm -hmm. and he said no i don't want to get mixed up in that so were they mad at him about that did he know too much about their drug operation perhaps perhaps the other theory was that his brother his younger brother had testified uh in an organized crime case and he had supported his brother and like gone to the courthouse with his brother the testimony was actually behind closed doors but while he was testifying perm was just kind of wandering around and felt like he was being followed so was he killed as sort of revenge for his brother testifying or to like make him send a message not to do that? I mean, in a way, it's not a great message since no one knows if it's <laughs> why he died, but perhaps it could have something to do with his brother's testimony. The third theory, the like least interesting theory was, was he having affairs while he was out doing these repair routes? People yeah. were claiming that he was really handsome. I'll leave that to you to decide. I, I guess that's not my judgment call. Everybody has their own taste. <laughs> Samantha's laughing so hard. <laughs> that was a very diplomatic way of putting it. It's good. Mm. Yeah, watch the episode for yourself. Watch Make up your own mind. If this was man, he irresistible? If this man, Perm Gilbert, came to your door, would you just drop your bathrobe? I don't know. That's that's your life. It's up to you. Yeah. Who am I to judge? So if he was having affairs, perhaps maybe that's who he was buying the flowers for at the flower shop. Did a jealous husband or boyfriend Bludgeon kill him? him to death? I, usually that would be the simplest answer, but in this case, that doesn't make sense to me because the the body's been moved, the van's far away. Like this crime yeah, seems too complicated like a... for a crime of passion. I agree. There were several people on the unsolved website theorizing that they thought it was an affair, and that's why he was naked. That he was, like, caught in the act and then beaten and shot. But then it's like, but why did they move his van? Why did they take his belt buckle? Like, Yeah, I don't know. It didn't make a lot of sense. It's, it's, it doesn't seem like a crime of passion. This seems like something much more calculated. 
than even a robbery. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's unsolved. I believe that his wife has passed away. Yeah, she has. Joanne. She was very, like, on the level. Like, she was talking about her husband's death, saying, like, oh, this seems reasonable to me, and uh, I don't know about this. Like, considering what an emotional subject this is, the death of her husband, she seemed, like, very Very capable and calm of assessing the evidence and saying, you know, what she thought was valid information and what was just gossip. I mean, and she you know, thought her husband was very handsome and that he could get a lot of ladies. I don't know. I guess. Sort of adorable in a way. That's, yeah, it's, that's a weird one. It was weird. What do you think happened to Perm? I have no clue. I kind of lean towards like the organized crime sort of revenge type thing. But I also think, why wouldn't they kill the brother? Why would they kill him? Why would they kill Perm? Like he just went with his brother to the courthouse. I mean, I guess that could be to send a message to the brother, but the brother has already testified. It's kind of too late. Right. And if you're doing it afterwards to say like, hey, don't testify against us. This is a sort of, you know, to send a message to everyone else. This is the sort of thing that happens. You would just kill the guy. Kill the brother. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe that was too obvious. Maybe they couldn't get to the brother for some reason. Maybe. I'm not really sure. It's a strange one. And I'm not, you know, I don't really have a strong feeling about what could have happened. It doesn't seem like a robbery because no. why would you beat him to death i don't know and why would you move the truck yeah or not keep the truck you yeah. know like you're he was robbed for his mason's belt buckle yeah i mean i i don't really think it has anything to do with him being in the masons it's just kind of a cool little detail if you want to think of mason conspiracy theories but sure. um yeah i don't know do you think it's the drug thing was he the guy who was flying the plane from the boys in the tracks mystery Supposedly, those people were in the CIA. That's so true. I forgot about that. They're probably not Perm. Probably not. I believe Perm has a find a grave page. If you would like to say something to Perm, okay, you can pay your respects. Is that the end of this episode? That's the end of the episode. Wow, this was not my favorite. Should we rate it? <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Shocking, I know. Mysteriousness. We do actually have two unsolved cases. Yeah, and Perm's is quite mysterious to this day. Yeah. So, I don't know that the bank robbery thing is mysterious so much as it is really cool. Pretty impressive. I think it's mysterious in that they were never caught. They really didn't even come close to catching them. Yeah. So I'm a thumbs up for mysteriousness. Sure. Why not? The reenactments. I mean, the near-death experience ones were pretty good. I love him seeing his whole life at once reenactment. <laughs> was pretty good. There was a lot of fog. They Unsolved Mysteries has invested in dry ice. <laughs> um, Robert Stock has... <laughs> Robert Stack had some stock and dry eyes is what I was trying to say. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. But I, oh, I just give up. I give up on life. Where's Elizabeth? Take me <laughs> to the other side. I'm done. You're Elizabeth. You have to take yourself to the other I'll side. I'll go beyond the veil. I'm a thumbs up for reenactments. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm also a thumbs up for fashion because all the ladies in this episode were so 80s. Did they used to have the store Venture here? I don't. I don't know. Oh. Not that I can remember. Mm, it's kind of like a Kmart oh, okay. sort of store, and that's where I used to get all my clothes. And the clothes in this episode were just giving me <laughs> strong venture vibes. <laughs> if anyone out there knows I, what you're talking about, I don't about. know how big that chain was, but yeah, it's where I would like get all my scrunchies. You know. Okay. Yeah. That was. There was a lot of that in this episode. <laughs> also, big hair, big earrings, best. I think every woman in this episode had giant earrings. Yeah. It was great. Some perms that are, like, 
really big straight on but from the side are like kind of flat crystal i don't know that i mentioned this her hair when they show her dancing at the end she's twisted it in the back but she's left her poofy bangs yeah yeah it was it was great it's like um the cover of a babysitter's club book yes exactly it's what it, it totally of. was That's i'm fun. sure there's one where they dance or something oh for sure so i'm a thumbs up for fashion robert stick i wrote down that i didn't didn't Un- even really notice unremarkable yeah other than the fact that he was in some weird places i think he was just wearing suits again no and they weren't even like snazzy or i yeah. couldn't tell you anything about them i think they were all just gray so travis and i are watching uh, i think season three and it takes until season three to get, like, some bomber jackets and, like... Oh, my so God. So, goes a little fashion-y okay. later on. Well, this one was disappointing, so a thumbs down, I say. I wrote down Bruce Grayson for MBM, but I don't really even remember who that was. I think he was one of the near-death experience... Yeah, he was the MD at the University of Connecticut. Was he the one that's lopsided? No, he wasn't. But I guess either one of them. Oh, he was the one that had the mustache-beard combo. So maybe we can go with lopsided. I'm not voting for the (laughs) mustache-beard combo because that's just a beard. So I'm going to go with Mr. Lopsided. Yeah, I'll have to get a screenshot of him. I don't remember. Please who get that a was. screenshot of Tom Sawyer seeing his whole life at once with the beams of light. Oh, for sure. We'll get that. Because. Wow. Unsolved Mysteries gifts? Are you listening? I want a gif of that. Yes, please. Please. That would be. Please. They might already have one. That seems perfect. That ver- that's very gift worthy. Yeah. Um, so that would I- be my response to anything. People would be like, Liz, you want to get pizza later? And I would just send that gif. <laughs> 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 Liz, what does this mean? You just send it again. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I give this episode like one out of five Robert's Dags. Really? I hated it. You rate it lower than Alcatraz because you wanted yeah. to give Alcatraz like a three. I thought Alcatraz had some good production value, at least. It was redeeming. I straight up hated this episode. Wow. I really dislike the near-death experience. I think it's a scam, and I thought it was boring, and I really... The Crystal was fine. She seemed nice, but Tom was the worst. Huh. And I thought the other two mysteries were fine. They were just too short and kind of... I don't know. There wasn't a lot to I like the robber mystery because it's just kind of cool. It does seem like something out of a movie to create these elaborate tunnels. Yeah. It's short because there's just not really that much to say about it. It's like dudes dug some tunnels. Right. But um, I wish they hadn't had two near-death experiences in this episode. Ugh, yeah. I don't like it when they double up like that because um, then it's just too long and you're kind of looking at the clock like... Yeah, is this over yet? This is over. Can Ugh. I go do something else? Why did I start an Unsolved Mysteries podcast? <laughs> This is my homework Do we really now. need to watch every episode? <laughs> yeah. Can we skip some? I mean, I would give it like a 2.5 or a 3. I mean, I'm way a higher. A 3? Wow. I'm way higher than Samantha. I don't know if we can be friends anymore. Just kidding. I mean, I just didn't hate it that much. I wish it didn't have the update and two un- NDEs. <laughs> but I didn't hate I just was like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of unremarkable. It's bit. over now, thank God. So, <laughs> <laughs> I bet Samantha, there's going to be other near-death experience ones. I hope not. I think if you get the DVDs, there's like a whole section of that. Ugh, that's awful. There's I wonder if Mike and Josh have done any of those. A whole section of treasure. A whole. I'm so glad we're not Rolling doing it garbage. that way. I know. I'm glad this kind of forces. I mean, we have to go through some sucky episodes, but this does give us, you know. We don't have to, like, pick out. Because if we were doing it that way, we would just be like, okay, well, we need to pick out episodes that we like. 
It's like when you're giving a dog a pill and you hide it in some peanut butter. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you have to watch this near-death experience, but we can hide it in some other... <laughs> we can other hide it in some things. <laughs> right? Exactly. Do you have to swallow it? Sure. Yeah, well, we, we did, so... Anyway, uh, recommendations. Yes, I have a recommendation for my new favorite Etsy store, Ooh. Etsy shop, called Band of Weirdos. Yes. Which I want everything in their shop. It's so amazing. I love the design of it. I love the color. Like, everything is just perfect. I It came literally today, and I'm so excited. I ordered for Lenny a little dog tag that so says cute. little weirdo on it. <laughs> It's the cutest. It's really cute. It's like neon chartreuse. Yeah. Lemon lime color. Says little weirdo. Because Samantha and I both wear necklaces that say weirdo on it. Mm Mm-hmm. And a bunch of our friends do too. So I wanted to get Lenny a tag that says little weirdo. Yes, we can be in the club. And I also ordered some washi tape that's like aliens and UFOs and stuff. Just because I thought we could use it for, I don't know, stuff we send out. Oh, heck Yeah. And I just, all of their stuff, I just love the design of it. They have a patch with a lake monster that says hot mess monster. <laughs> what? I need that to go with my mystery They have patch. a card with a Bigfoot on it that says you're a legend. And then the Bigfoot is saying thank you. Yeah. Like, all of it is so cool. And I was really happy with the packaging and everything. And they should send us free stuff. For one, they totally should. Heck yeah. And they should probably design some merch for us because their stuff's just adorable and I love it. I love it too. What a good recommendation. Band of weirdos. Well, this is funny because I also have an Etsy shop to recommend this week. Actually, I have two. And this might be a bit of a niche recommendation, but it's two Etsy (laughs) shops. More than Jazzloon. Well. More than that time I recommended a hashtag. (laughs) Please. Jazzloon is for everyone. Well, that's true. This may not be for everyone. It's Actually, two Etsy shops that sell plants. Okay. So, and I wanted to recommend it because, one, this is the time of the year where I just feel like spring is sort of around the corner. I really, really want to be gardening. I want to be outside because the winter has been long. And I usually, like, and usually my antidote to that is to buy houseplants, which is how I end up with way too many houseplants. But um, I feel like a lot of people don't think about buying plants on the internet. No, I would not think of that. And actually, it's a really good way to get them. Like, I would always recommend going to your local, like, supporting your local garden center. But if you want something specific or you just want to see, like, some unique, maybe, like, a a plant that's pink or a plant that has, like, some white variegation in it. um, There's a lot of... First of all, you could buy plants on Amazon, which is hit or miss. I actually would first recommend... Etsy shops and huh. there's a few that I, the one that I wanted to recommend the most was called is called the plant farm because I've ordered plants from them several times they always send you like a little bonus plant too which is really fun you never know what you're gonna get if it's cold where you are you can still order plants you just buy like a one dollar two dollar uh, heat pack they pack in there huh. and then they'll send you so you can get if you're the, it's the middle of winter where you are and it's dreary and you would just like to see some green <laughs> if you just but you don't know how to get a plant you can skin yeah they always they make sure to ship their plants on i think tuesday so they won't get like caught in the mail over the weekend um so and they usually ship like three days so it'll get to you pretty quickly and then just yeah make sure it doesn't sit on your maybe your porch all day long um i always get really healthy plants and they have i was just looking at their shop this morning and they have some really unique things that i feel like you don't see like weird shaped cactuses and um plants that are white and green and pink huh. and 
cool. I think people would really enjoy that. The other one I wanted to recommend was if you like succulents. Yeah. I know those are really big right now. I have kind of a hard time keeping them alive, but I know a lot of people like succulents and cactuses. I like to look at them. Is cactus limon, I think is how you pronounce it. It's one word and it's cactus, L-I-M-O-N. And they have the biggest selection of, they it must they must be somewhere down south where it's warm all the time because they have a huge variety of like weird cactuses and succulents I've never even heard of. Huh. And they're really inexpensive and you can order them and yeah, they'll just ship them right to your door, which is a really convenient way to get, well, anything, but particularly plants. That's pretty cool. No, I never would have thought Searching for things. Yeah, it actually is a really great way to order things. I will say make sure when you're buying online that you're not accidentally purchasing cuttings if you don't want that. Oh, yeah. Because that's a really easy way to ship plants is to just ship cuttings, but you have to grow those. So if that's, that's not my favorite thing to do. I like to actually get a plant. Right. So just make, if it seems like it's too inexpensive to be true, like, why is this $1? Well, you're probably buying just a piece of a plant. Got it. And the plant farm sells a lot of cuttings. So pay attention when you're, to what you're purchasing. But yeah, check those Etsy shops out. I really like them. And if you get a tag for your dog that says little weirdo, send us a picture. Yeah, Of your dog. Please. Please do. Oh, <laughs> cute. All I right. That's all for today. Thanks for that's being with us with Samantha's least favorite episode yet. I can't believe it. It is my least favorite episode yet. I think. I'm amazed. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of one that I hated more. It's just a more. fascinating look into your brain. Yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to bring that up at your funeral. Make sure. Well, as you're heckling people at my funeral, make sure you let them know <laughs> she's not in heaven because it doesn't exist. <laughs> So follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And really? Perhaps it's in this you? scenario, I- I'm not dealing with your death well. I've been drinking a lot. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just You're like drinking. Out. You have a flask. You pull it out yeah. from your bra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> these aren't the supplants Samantha wanted. Where did you get these? There's the shit flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like knocking stuff over and ranting. <laughs> I can't really think of a better way to be remembered, honestly. Yeah. I hope I go first. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. You so we saw our us. social media. Yeah. Uh, you know. Email us. Thanks for all your nice reviews. Yes. We've gotten some really, really funny iTunes reviews. Keep them coming. I love them. Yeah. All right. Uh, what didn't we say? We didn't say our email. Perhaps it's you. Podcast at gmail.com. Patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. Yeah. Find us. Thanks for watching. Not watching. Listening. Or thanks for watching Robert Stack. He appreciates it too. He does. All right. Bye. Bye. (laughs)